Hello, my name is Stephanie and welcome to Sexo y Todo Eso, Sex Ed for the Latinx Millennial Parent. This week, we are having pláticas con Sexo y Todo Eso. For each plática, we are interviewing our close friends, family, and partners to hear about their experiences with sex ed. So tune in every other week as we make space for these important conversations. Hi, my name is Stephanie and welcome to Platicas con Sexo y Todo Eso. Today I have my dear friend um, and colleague. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your upbringing, your background. Awesome. Thank you, Steph. Um, yes, so I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. And I would say that I also was born in Juarez for most of my childhood. Um, I ended up graduating and after graduating high school, I went on to live and study at UT Austin for seven years. So there I started working for a college written as nonprofit. And then after I ended my master's degree, I came back home and have been living here for the last five years, home being El Paso. And right now I am studying to get my doctorate in education. So hopefully I get to do that very soon within the year. And thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you. So what was your experience with the talk? Who did you have these conversations with? And when you say the talk, do you mean the talk like like having my period or having sex or what kind of the talk? Oh, uh, well, any of those. Okay. If you had them or you didn't have them. Yeah. So when it come when it came to me having my period, uh, my mom did talk me talk to me about that. Uh, I remember she pulled me aside and she explained to me, you know that my body was changing and so that you know i was going to menstruate at one point we didn't know when um but that it was it was gonna happen and then she showed me you know what a pad was and i remember that um she asked my sister but i guess she hadn't told my sister that she was going to tell me so then uh, when she told my sister to like give her a pad so she could show me what it looked like she was like she already got it um (laughs) (laughs) so my mom was like, no, 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 I just, I want to be able to uh, show her what it is just in case it happens. And she's like, oh, okay. So I remember that. No, I don't remember her using any, like, like the anatomical terms of the body, but I just remember being aware of it so that when I actually did get it, I mean, I was surprised. I was very uncomfortable, but I knew what was happening. You didn't think you were dying. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if anything, it was like kind of a way for me to know that I was growing up. And back then, I wanted to grow up. Mm-hmm. Ask me that now. That ask me that question now, and that's a completely different answer. But um, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't scared. Uh, like I said, I was uncomfortable. I mean, having your period is uncomfortable, but I wasn't scared per se. Okay. Um, but when it came to the talk about having sex, like that, we didn't touch at all. I don't remember touching on that subject whatsoever. Um, I, for whatever reason, it's it's ironic, I feel, because I was really into novelas. Like, novelas, like, intense novelas, not just the kids' novela, uh, like Luz Clarita or, I don't know, Aventuras en el Tiempo. It was, like, Tres Mujeres or... <laughs> What, what was it? Uh, Ruby. Ruby, este... 
amigas y rivales, like that one was an intense one, soñadoras was another intense one, all those, I could, we could have a podcast. And Rebelde. Yeah. But that one was even a bit more tame from like all the other ones that um, I had already seen. So I more or less knew what, like I, I knew that it, it had to do with two people and like undressing and, you know. Mm-hmm um doing things but i wasn't sure what so i was i don't even know i couldn't even tell you how i learned what it was but i didn't have the talk with my mom about sex got it and you mentioned your older sister and how your mom kind of you know, included her in those conversations with you mm-hmm. is she an older sister how much older is she she is 10 years older than me. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So did you ever see her as an older sister or more like a mother figure? Yeah, a little bit of both. I think more so of a, of a mother figure than an old, like, I guess, close in age type of sister. Um, I did the regular sister things, like I would take her stuff or I would, like, she had, like, shaving cream and I would use it as, like, like, like to play mm-hmm. and you know i didn't know it was for shaving cream right. type of thing she was always really nice though really nice and really kind so she wouldn't get mad at me uh but i saw her more as the mother figure in terms of her like taking care of me driving me to things um making sure that i was all right so on and so forth Got it. and did she ever have these conversations with you no, no, she didn't. We are, I would say, a very private family. We're very connected. We love each other. We support each other no matter what. But in terms of our private lives, we are pretty quiet about it. I, I don't think that she would shy away from having a conversation with me. Um, or she would have shied, uh, shied away from having a conversation with me had I asked. Uh, but I didn't, and she wasn't also the one to kind of come and, and talk to me about it first. So she did. I see. And you also have an older brother, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. And, you know, to your knowledge, do you think he ever got the same talks that your mom had with you all? No. No, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think he did. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, and what about your dad? Did he ever talk to you all about anything like this? No, no, not at all. Like, if, if it would come from someone, it would have come from my mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, do you think that gender played a role in how your parents talked or did not talk about sex? Um, I think that... I think their behavior was rooted in in, in gender. Like um, I had to do certain things that maybe my brother didn't, you know, those types of interactions. But uh, in terms of what kind of information was disseminated, I guess you could say that because I'm a, I'm a female, then yes, like I got the talk about getting a period, for example. Uh, and I think uh, I'll, oftentimes my mom also relied on the information that the school would Mm -hmm. give right i don't know i i haven't talked to her about you know having a conversation like this with my brother or or even with me really 
But I do remember that she mentioned like, well, you know, we do, I do know, I, I do know that you all get these types of conversations or these kinds of presentations because, because we need to sign a consent form. And so she, since she had already done that for like my sister and then my brother, well, then at, at the, uh, when she had me, she knew that I was going to have right. a conversation. So that if there were questions that I had, they maybe could be answered at school as well. Um, but I think that in terms of the way we lived, I, again, behavior and gender and expectations did play a role, definitely. Uh, but I think also our culture and the type of spirituality that my mom had, which is, you know, being believing in God and, 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 and being Catholic, right? So right. The, the thing that I didn't even have a conversation with her but I grew up with thinking like, oh, I'm only going to uh, lose my virginity until I get married. Mm-hmm. Like not so much because I have reflected and that's what I wanted and I knew what it meant and all those things. But it was because that is what, one, I saw novelas. <laughs> Two, that is what we grew up hearing and listening, right? So I think that was more so what played a role in my life or in our lives. Again, we are a very private family so I wouldn't be able to tell you like the experiences of my brother or my sister or what kind of conversations they had with my mom because we don't we don't talk about that right and it's interesting that you mentioned like your mom really relied on sex education being taught in schools and Mm -hmm. I think that is a similar experience that I had with my mom Mm -hmm. Uh, she's you know an immigrant from Mexico and I didn't get those talks from her only like you know the basic period one and then you know just don't have sex right Mm -hmm. that was the extent of the conversation I had with my mom and it wasn't until much later when I asked her like so why didn't we have these conversations Mm -hmm. and you know she was like well you know like you were getting them at school so and you're getting that information so I thought you were okay, like, I didn't have to educate you on anything regarding sexual health. My job was to, like, keep you from getting pregnant, basically. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting that you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, again, these are all assumptions, but I think that in what I've seen since, like growing up, we adopt behaviors that we've seen in families. So I don't think that like, for example, my mom got the sex ed talk, mm-hmm. right? I don't think she got the conversation of having a period. Maybe I'm wrong on that one because I received it uh, from her. But I think that, that, that we end up kind of having these learned behaviors. So if she then comes, you know, she, she didn't migrate from, she was born in Durango and then lived in Juarez. And then that's when, you know, my mom and my dad came over to El Paso. I don't think that she she was even aware as to how to have a conversation about it. And, and that's why she felt like school could be an avenue that could serve as support. Um, and I think that's why it's so important to be mindful of what kind of support we provide to families mm-hmm. when it comes to uh, sex ed education, sex ed in, in schools. Right. Absolutely. 
And so in your experience, you kind of talked about how novelas, (laughs) (laughs) that experience, uh, how has your experience with sex ed affected your dating relationships? Um, in terms of everything that we've talked about, like what my mom told me and then school information, is that what you mean? Yeah, it could be like information that you received or information that you didn't receive, um, both from school or from your parents. Yeah, I think that, uh, like I mentioned, it was, I guess it was tabooed, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole conversation of not having sex, I think also in my mind, I was also just like, I am not going to get pregnant Mm -hmm. type of situation, right? So I think I it affect the lack of sex ed affected my my confidence in terms of intimacy within uh, my dating relationships. You know, right. like not knowing a lot made me feel like, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say that I don't know, right? But then I don't want to engage in something that I don't know what it is about. You know, right. um, I did. I was part, you know, of a long-term relationship, which kind of helped in a way in terms of us kind of growing up together. Right. And 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 kind of learning what we wanted and what we didn't want. Mm-hmm. But this whole idea of not, not having sex after I'm getting married and not understanding where it comes from and then coupled with not feeling like I know enough or not feeling like I know um, what any type of young adult should or would already know. Right. It was kind of a lack of confidence in me. Of, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. Type of situation. Right. Just this feeling of being lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you're supposed to, like, not supposed to, but if you want to, like, engage, right, in intimacy and all those things, but... Then it's like, okay, like, what does, like, all these things mean in terms of how I feel? And, and I don't know. Even now you can hear my uncomfortableness in speaking about it right. because I've always been a private person in that realm. And I think it stems off from not being able to talk about it freely right. and not learning about it, right? Because... I remember I got like a sex ed talk at school when I was in elementary and that was more so about like period, puberty, puberty. Yes. Like what's going to happen to a boy? What's going to happen to a girl? You do a bag with deodorant. I don't even remember that. I just remember, I remember the space. Like pads, I think. Yeah, no, see, I don't even remember that. And then like middle school, we did have like a health class. I remember that's the first time I saw like a birth being of a child. Um, I remember we touched on like STDs, um, but that was that was it. And like then you would hear all these random things like so and so is doing so and so things, and like the ditch, and then so like all these things, and you're like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> what's happening? Um, I'm a very kind of following the rules type of girl. So I knew that I, I, I wasn't supposed to be doing that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be engaging in like making out with someone Mm -hmm. or anything like that. 
Um, but it was like I mentioned, like even I think now it still affects me because I, I, I'm like I didn't know then. Like now I'm learning. Now I'm I I I am aware of these things, but it still I think affects the ability for me to have a conversation. About okay. This. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we we just didn't get the skills. Yeah. 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 You just threw us out in the world, like. <laughs> Hey, survive. Yes, and it's important. I think it's very, very important. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, we didn't get these skills, and I think a lot of people, when they hear sex ed, they just, you know, they think about STDs mm-hmm. and preventing pregnancy, mm-hmm. and, um, and it goes so far beyond that, and it gives young people skills that they mm-hmm. will use the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. and I think... Mm-hmm. There needs to be more awareness about that, mm-hmm. especially in our communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything from this experience or your experience growing up that you would like to replicate if you were to be a parent or, you know, as a caring adult? Yeah. I mean, definitely having the conversation of, you know, what's going to happen with their bodies, but really use um, the terminology that is meant to be used mm-hmm. to describe our body parts and, and understand what's going to happen. Because I get it, like I did have that talk and I wasn't scared and I knew what to do, but I that I didn't know what was happening in my body. Right. Like I don't, I didn't know exactly what it meant. Or why it was happening. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so I think that is where I would continue having a conversation. So, for example, I have a niece and I, if ever she would come to me with questions, I'd I'd like to be able to be honest with her about, you know, what it means to have your period or be sexual, right? I mean, it would be very uncomfortable because that would mean that she's growing up, but (laughs) I would want her to... I would want her to make informed decisions, right. informed decisions that are good for her and, and for her to know that she can count on me to for answers, right? Because we would get, or I would get information from like very unrealistic expectation, right. like novelas, right? Where you're just like, oh, is that what it's supposed to look like? Or is that supposed to be the way I react when I'm having sex type mm-hmm. of situation? Um, and so... I think that is where I would like to be able to have that opportunity to speak, right? And not just my niece, but my nephews as well. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, you were talking about using medically accurate terminology and how important it is. And I think in the Latinx community, I think we do that a lot, not just for sexual and reproductive anatomy too mm-hmm. like we do it for everything like oh cafecito mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. we try to make words sound cute like fluffy yeah mm-hmm. and you know it, it's extremely prevalent in sexual health mm-hmm. um how did you learn about medically accurate terms for reproductive anatomy that, there I would I would be able to say that at school I did. I don't think they I had the best health teacher, but 
uh, the the notebooks and you know all the things that that we were that we were assigned to, I was able to take in some of that information. I think even though I did take this information, it takes it still takes me time to be like, okay, the fallopian tube and then yeah. the uterus, the vagina, and it still takes me time to understand all those things and like the process of. Um, but I would say that that's where I got it from mostly. Okay, and. I know you speak Spanish and you're bilingual. How did you learn about the Spanish terms? Uh, well, I can't say that I'm well versed on it, but I can say that we do have an aunt, and she she is very much about talking about the terminal like the terminology as mm-hmm. it is, right? So she was a person that we would go to for questions about anything. Um, and she would use terminologies like vagina, mm-hmm. right? Este, and that was helpful. I can't, again, I can't tell you that I would be able to tell you right now what how uterus is, is said in Spanish. But I do remember being at least familiarized with it because I also watched a lot of Spanish television. Okay. So that was helpful as well. Awesome. And so you talked about have like your nieces and your nephews. Mm-hmm. And so how do you want them to feel when you have these conversations with them? I think I want them to feel safe. I I would like for them to not feel uncomfortable, but I think it's inevitable mm-hmm. because even if it's there's nothing wrong with having like a sex ed talk. Uh, and I, first of all, it would be defining what kind of sex that talk to have with them, right? It's still kind of, in a sense, you're being vulnerable, mm-hmm. and 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 vulnerability is uncomfortable sometimes, right? But still, I would like them to be able to feel safe enough that even though they're uncomfortable, that they can come to me with questions, right? That they can come to me with questions, come to me with some sort of, you know confusing thought that they may have, whatever it may be. I want them to be able to come and know that, let's say, I am very honest when it comes to not knowing things, right? I'll be like, you know what, I don't know. I don't know what is the best answer to give you. We can we can look up the answer. We can talk about it, figure out what you want to do, or if it's more of a terminology, ask people, ask the right people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but still being able to, for them to feel safe and then to feel supported. And then at the end, feeling like they take away something that is going to help them. Right. Yeah, I, I like that you said that you want them to feel safe and being honest mm-hmm. when you don't know something. Mm-hmm. I think that really models humility to them and lets young people know that, you know, learning things is an ongoing process. It doesn't mm-hmm. stop like once you turn in, mm-hmm. into an adult, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really awesome that you mentioned that. And, um, you know, have you started having these conversations with them? And it doesn't have to be like anything specific, but I guess, have you started laying that foundation with them? I think that I. 
I guess laying the foundation in terms of them feeling safe enough for me, for them to ask me questions, regardless of what the questions may be, I say yes. When it comes to, and I guess too, I guess in the sense of sex talk, sex ed talk as well, I know that my, my, my sister has had the conversation with my niece about her period already. And I, I not necessarily that I wanted to be part of that conversation, but then afterwards my niece asked me, you know, like a few questions are surrounding that topic. I remember exactly what they were, but I remember that I was, that I told her like, yeah, you can come to me. Cause my, my sister did tell her like, you know, if, if you get your period, you can go to Abuelita, you can go to Vale, you can go to me. Like, and, and so she was kind of reaching out to me to re reaffirm that right. she could. And, and I, I said, yes, of course. And I think in the sense, again, again being able for them to come up to me and, and have a conversation, I'm trying, right? I'm trying to work on my reactions, right? right. Than, rather than responses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know, I can see myself like if my nephew asked me about you know, having a girlfriend or having sex at the age of 10 or 11, I'd be like, why are you asking me this? But like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, because you, well, you get kind of surprised. Yeah. yeah, you get shocked. But I'm working on responding rather than reacting, mm-hmm. right? Instead of, and that's just an example of what could happen, but it has happened where he'll ask me this random question, has nothing to do with sex ed, but he'll ask me this random question, like, why? And I'm like, thank you for bringing this up. Let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, when we young people are around like 9 or 10, 11 mm-hmm. years old, they they hear things. And mm-hmm. so they ask the safe adults around them, mm-hmm. like, oh, what does this mean? Or, mm-hmm. you know, or they repeat something that mm-hmm. they heard. And I think our trigger reaction is mm-hmm. to be like, what? Where'd you like? Yeah. Why are you asking me that? Uh-huh. And so, unlearning that yeah. and asking instead, like, oh, like, where did you hear that from? Mm-hmm. Or what, like, what makes you curious about this? Or what do you know about this mm-hmm. already? Because sometimes it's just they don't know and they just heard it. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned like our trigger reactions and it. It's hard to unlearn, mm-hmm. but it's necessary when we're talking to our young people uh, just to model for them how to have healthy conversations and communication with adults. Yeah, I think that tone matters. You can ask the same question, but if you use a different tone, it helps people feel more comfortable speaking mm-hmm. about it. And it's not that, you know, you want to ask questions to pry, but at least for my end, I think it starts more of a protectiveness of like, where are you listening to? Like, who's telling you this and this and that? But it's true. I mean, if if I want them to feel safe, then they're not going to. I mean, I know when I was a kid and they would react a certain way. Right. I'd be like, oh, no, just kidding. I might. I asked the wrong question or, or this question is something wrong. That's not what I meant. Uh Uh-huh. Like, oh, no, just kidding. I don't know. And and just pretend like it never happened, right? (laughs) So I don't want that to happen just because I know that the way I learned of sex ed, however you want to put it, wasn't 
the most reliable at first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And young people now are learning more information or getting more information from the internet Mm -hmm. and social media and Mm -hmm. TikTok. And so have you had any experience navigating any kind of situation like that? No, not not right now. Will I in the future? Maybe, probably. I think that, again, in terms of sex ed, because my nephew will ask me all sorts of questions that don't relate to sex ed, but that he gets from the internet. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not true. It's not right. right. So I know that it'll, it'll come, right? Uh, and it's just being mindful of teaching them all the right skills so that they can differentiate from what is reliable information and what is not. Because right. I think self-exploration on your own is also helpful yeah. so that you get to know yourself and you get to know what, what you want to find out and all those things. So I think regardless, they're going to do it. Right. It's just teaching, helping them get to a place where they are able to make smart decisions and, and know where to get information from. Right. And it's something that, you know, we didn't grow up with mm-hmm. as much, you mm-hmm. know. We did have the internet, but it was more, like, for schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Social media wasn't... I mean, it was around, but I think it was more for college-age mm-hmm. yeah. people at the time. And, you know, we we created profiles and lied about our ages. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yes. We now, people. now I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I don't want to scroll all the way down for my for my year date of birth. Um, so it's it's a different monster now, and we have to be in front of it for sure, mm-hmm. and help young people kind of have those skills and determine what is correct information, reliable information, and what isn't mm-hmm. for sure. So, any last thoughts around? You know, sex ed, your experiences, uh, what you want the future sex ed to be? I think that these types of conversations are really helpful. Especially, not especially, just for anyone really. Because those that may be well versed in sex ed and maybe had a much better upbringing in terms of those conversations had with family or with people at school, you know, those sex ed classes that we receive, I think we can learn from each other, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, for example, in my case, where I grew up a bit, the connotation of conservative is is a negative one, I think, at this point. But I say it in the sense that I was very, um, like, I felt like I lived in a little bubble. Okay. Sheltered. Sheltered. Maybe that's the better word where now I, yes, I, I can still feel a bit uncomfortable in terms of speaking of my own experiences, right? Mm-hmm. But it's helpful to have these conversations so you can continuously learn, right. right? To step outside of that comfort zone, I mean, stepping outside of your comfort zone, regardless of the conversations that you have, is an experience on its own. So I think these types of conversations are really helpful and, and self-reflection in terms of what worked and what didn't work 
in your upbringing and then being able to turn that around so that whatever youth you are, whatever youth you have, whether that be in professional setting, right, working with, um, with the youth in terms of being a teacher or being a coordinator, or being a facilitator, whatever that may be, being able to be of, of good support. Or if it's in a family member, being your kid or niece, nephew, getting letting them know that you are a safe person so that they can have a conversation with and they can continue learning without feeling judged, right. without feeling scared. Because I think that is where the problems start to come. And 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 it starts to kind of become a shameful topic. Right. And that's just not something that that is right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's not something that it should be that way. So I think these spaces are great so that people can learn about these types of situations and maybe find some relatedness to it mm-hmm. so that they don't feel alone. So thank you so much for having me. I know this uh was a little uncomfortable in the beginning yeah. for you. I know you mentioned that you're you're a private person and mm-hmm. so thank you for being vulnerable and kind of, you know, shedding away that stigma around talking about sexual health. And we want to thank our listeners for staying with us. Uh, we hope you like this platica. We'd love to hear about y'all's experiences with sex ed as well. So you can also follow us on Instagram at sexwaytoloeso for our Q&A days to ask your sex questions. Hasta la próxima!